Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 153 of the Vex on Vex podcast. My name is VexX. Today we're joined with a very dear friend of mine. This is Dave. Depending on what day of the week it is, from the band Pistol Razor and a new legacy. So say hello. Hi everybody. How we doing out there in podcast land? Podcast land. It's, it's your first. Oh, your phone's on. Oh, it is. That's like rule number one of podcast. You didn't tell me the rules. You should probably it. turn it off. I will. Or just make it silent. <laughs> I was unaware of the rules and probably would have broken them regardless. That's okay. Oh, wow. There's zippers happening. This is a thing. Sorry. <laughs> I'm train wrecking everything from junk today. <laughs> it's awesome. And we're podcasting during the Eagles games. So neither one of us are watching, which is very upsetting. I'm DVRing it. so It's fine. It's not going well. It's not going well. I haven't even looked yet. You don't want to know. You don't want to know. I kind of had a sneaking suspicion that WP might roll in and mess us up today. A lot of people have been saying that. Like, he wants to cut our heart out because they fired him. Yeah, hey. I got no hate for WP, man. How can you? He's Philly born and bred, man. He's for real. I would like to fucking win, though. Also, yeah, but, I mean, if I got to eat one, I don't want to lose to WP so much. I don't know. Anybody who leaves, then we lose to them, it kind of hurts me in my heart. I don't like that shit. It does. I'm not going to lie, but. Not a fan. No, I still got love for Dougie, though. Who's your favorite football team? Are you Eagles all the way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I am the same, actually. Do I have a choice, man? I live eight minutes from the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> so, or you're not in the city, though, technically, right? No, I'm in Delaware County. Where'd you grow up? Delaware County. Okay. So the whole life type of thing? Uh, I moved to Delaware for a couple years. But other than that, yeah. Some people go to Delaware, they don't come back, actually. Um, I don't know that I would have if I hadn't met my wife. Interesting concept. Who um, I finally got to talk to for the first time ever last night. Oh, yeah. She's kind of cool. She is kind of cool. Yeah. Good for you. I'm happy about it. I'm working way above my bakery. She's way too good looking for me, too. How many years are you married? Ooh. You got a pause. That's a bad sign. It is. It is. Um, actually married, like, four. How long together? 17. Oh, my God. How did you pull off so long not getting married? Uh, we We went through a lot of years. We were, like... Had the goal of like saving up for the big wedding, enjoy that all in all. And Did you do that? No, eventually we gave up, booked a vacation to Jamaica, took eight friends with us, and got married on the beach. Bro, I, I've mm-hmm. been married a few times, it turns out, and my second wife spent $48,000 on the wedding. Wow, I'm glad she spent that, not you. Exactly. I, I spent it on this. So my, my half went to this. Hey, cool, man. You know, you're, you're doing fine. She uh, she definitely did the wedding thing. But it was cool. It was a nice, big, grand wedding. I remember, and this is my favorite part of it. And not, not to, you know, not to pry, but how long did that last? How long did $48,000 earn you? No, we were together for years before the marriage. Okay. And then, let me do math. Uh, just under two years. Oh, oh, that's rough. <laughs> that's, that's. Well, I mean, if, if you if you combine all of my marriages, well, I don't. Four grand a year. I don't think any of my marriages combined equal your marriage. No, and I, and I have three. I don't think they, I don't think it adds yeah, up. I'm shooting for one, and then I'm done. That's but what I said. This doesn't work out. It's just over. I wasn't meant for it. It's not. I don't know. I said the same shit. But you know, I'm pretty pretty sure this is going to be okay. You know, I'm enough. No, but you're a long time in at this point. Yeah, I'm secure enough in it that I got my wedding ring tattooed on me. So you know. All right, Tommy Lee. Yeah, but he had the Pammy. Yeah, well, I don't have that. I also don't have a giant hog either. So there's that. I mean, I didn't bring it up. When you were 12 years old, Mr. David. When I was 12 years old. Who were your top five favorite musical artists? That's that's tough. I'm I'm thinking back. I have to tell you that I 
at 12 in my musical journey, I was probably still getting down with like stuff that I had heard from like my older siblings. That makes sense. So I was probably, I'm going to tell you, it was like Creedence, Aerosmith, The Who. Mm, what else? Uh, I got to be honest. Maybe those, Queen. Those four bands are fucking amazing bands. Yeah, yeah. I had some really good influences in my early life as far as music goes. I, I found Queen by mistake. Remember Pro poor, poor Wrestling when you were a little kid? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Manny Fernandez, Manny Her yeah, Fernandez, and Ravishing Rick Rude used to come to the wrestling rink yes. to We Will Rock You. Dun, dun, pop. Dun, really? Dun, pop. So I didn't know what that was, right? So I'm like, eat. And my friend's mom had the Queen's Greatest Hits cassette tape. Oh, that's awesome. So to play with my dolls, I get the cassette off of her. <laughs> and I hear like Bicycle and Bohemian Rhapsody by mistake. Yeah. And I'm like, what the on earth is this music? And yeah. I, I've been a Queen fan ever since, like literally. I don't know how, as a vocalist, as a performer, which we both are. Yeah. You cannot deny that, that Freddie Mercury is probably the greatest of all time. For me, definitely. Without a doubt. In my eyes, he had, he had, it checks all the boxes. You know what I mean? Um, to me, like, you can go up there and have a great voice and not be a good frontman. That's true. There's, there's other things that go into it. There is style, there's charisma, there's the ability to just capture a crowd and make them believe what you're doing. You know, to own, just hold them in your hand and have them. That dude had 110,000 people in Wembley Stadium doing whatever. He a vocal warm up. He made them do a vocal fucking warm up. Yeah. yeah. I love that. You're, you're, you're God level at that point. And then the other, brain. the flip side is Roth. All the charisma in the world can't sing a lick live. And I just. Uh, you don't like Van Halen? I, I'm not. Uh, per se. Wow. <laughs> All right. I think the songs are more fun with Roth. Yeah, I would agree with that. But as far as a person and a musician, yeah. Sammy Tenfold hasn't been. And I think I think the writing was better with Sammy. I agree with I that. Think they wrote better tunes. Um, and I'm not taking nothing away from David Lee Roth. He's just not my favorite. You know no, no, I mean? I'm, I'm with you. I'm a Roth guy. I couldn't sing when I was a kid, but I could kick real high, you know. So I was like, That's cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you were going with? Boozdy, boozdy, bop. Yeah. That was my thing. Freddie's the best. Who would be? Who's your second best? Who do you think is, is a great vocalist and rock? Chris Cornell. Yeah, I would, we're right on. We're right in line. Number two, without a doubt. Without a doubt. They're one and one A, and I don't think anybody else is really all that. Close. And their writing for both of them is beyond comprehension. They both had really good people behind them. Both of them. Um, you know, Brian May's amazing. Most guitar. definitely, just an amazing talent on guitar, and you know, Chris Cornell. Well, Kim Thale was the guitar player. Kim Thale was Who's not amazing. He's not amazing. He's good. I think he's really good. I think he's underrated, honestly, as far as guitarists go. I think he gets less respect than he probably should. I did see him a couple years ago with, um, I'm blanking on the fucking name, the 50-50-50, what are they called? Motor City, the MC5, that's it. Okay. And he played the guitar along with the original guitar player who was still alive singing songs and jamming. He was pretty fucking great, bro. Yeah. He was pretty fucking great. And that was right after Cornell died. It was yeah. right after it. And I mean, even after Soundgarden, you know, all the stuff they did with Audio Slave and Tom Morello. Mm -mm. For me, Cornell's solo records are fucking amazing. Yeah. I love those records. Like, there's the writing in them. It's so much, there's more color and, like, stuff to it. 
You know what I mean? Okay, I'll accept that. Did you ever see him live as a solo artist? Uh, as a solo artist, no. I saw him with Audio Slave. I saw that. And they were spectacular. They were spectacular. They were spectacular. One of the best shows I've ever seen. We saw them at the factory. Where'd you see them at? Camden. No shit. So they were they were blowing yeah. up by the time you uh -huh. saw them. We had a weird year where we saw Velvet Revolver at the fucking factory, and we saw fucking Audio Slave at the factory. Like Stars, we went to both these shows. Those are two awesome shows to see at the Electric Factory. That's Pretty. an awesome venue. <laughs> First off, the Electric Factory is just, well, whatever it's called now. It, it, yeah, it's not Franklin Music Hall. Yeah, yeah, that, whatever. It's the Electric Factory because I'm old and I'm not changing it. There you point. go. Well, it's technically the second incarnation of the factory, too. It was around in the 60s. Yeah. Not well, in the same location. It's still super cool. It is. That, it's that venue the, is awesome. I, I know. love seeing shows there. I know. Especially if you get that early, you go upstairs and you get one of the couches to hang out on. That's super sweet. Never in my life has that happened. I'm always in the on the floor. Almost to the stage, like to this day. Like, I'm old now. I'm just like, no. Nope, You're that guy still? I'm that guy still. That's awesome. We went to see Guar, and I stood in the back for Guar. No, see, Guar would be the only one that I would have to be up for. You get fucking covered in schmutz. I'm cool with that. I'm not. I think that's part of the experience when you go to see Guar. going to mess my hair up. I can't have that shit yeah, in my life. <laughs> Which I got to tell you, I did not wash after the show last night or this morning, and it is gross. I at least showered before you showed up. My goodness. Oh, I did take a shower. I just didn't wash my hair. See, as a guy who's been bald for a long time, you, I don't know how that works. Like, how often does one wash one's hair? <laughs> uh, I shoot for like every other day. Okay. Every third day. Because there's like a grease factor, isn't there? And there's yeah, like a health. Yeah, but if you wash it too much, then it gets weird. You gotta like pay attention to it. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. I'm not gonna lie, dude. My only complaint is that I've had the same hairstyle for like 21 years. Yeah, you're killing it though. It's a ah, good look for you. Ah, is your phone still making noise? I, it shouldn't be. I turned it off. <laughs> I'm just gonna turn it off. Johnny Mac just brought up a great show we saw before we were 21. We saw Rage Against the Machine also at the factory. Jesus, turn off. There. How many podcasts have you guys listened to? And you've had boop, 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 boop. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Have you have you seen Rage Against the Machine live? No, I never did. But you saw Audio Slave, so it's kind of, I mean, really. I'll be honest, I was, I'm not saying that I didn't like Rage. Um, it was never one of my favorites. It was not high on my list as like a band I needed to see. I got to tell you, the Rage Against the Machine, if you go see them, the one song they play is really good. It's just every song is that song. But it's a good right. song. Oh, yeah. It's a really good song because they covered up Bruce Springsteen and it still sounded exactly like every Rage song I've ever heard yeah. in my life. So I was like, obviously, there's nothing to this. Like, it's like, they just, they just do it da -da -da. they're back, though. They're cool, though. I don't mind Rage. No, no, not at all. I, I, I didn't do it myself. Zach, Zach was never one of my favorite singers. Because he can't sing. That would be why. He's an MC, if you will. Yeah, he's good at what he does, though. What was your first concert? Pink Floyd. Holy Christmas! Yep. Is Division Bell 93, ninety three Pink Floyd? Ninety four. Yep. That's your first. Yep, my mom took me. Also, the floor at Metro Stadium. <laughs> yeah, we remember seeing the blimp around here. There was a giant blimp. Remember that tour? There was a whole blimp yeah. that was going around. Yeah, that was my first concert, and my second was George Thorogood with ZZ Top at the Spectrum. Oh my goodness! Yeah, how was that? Uh, awesome until I found out that George Thorogood was a dick. It's funny you say that. I was going to fuck your story up, and you already took it away from me. Yeah, because uh, so George Thurgood opened. They were awesome. Yes. They killed it. ZZ Top came out, did their thing, and dude, ZZ Top was awesome. They are. They are. Um, not so much anymore. I saw them recently. They oh. are really showing their age. Oh. 
well, of course, one dude's dead now, but prior to him dying, they, they looked old. How they sound, though? Sounded good, but they were very just stoic on stage. Yeah, but if they can play, they can play. They just kind of came out, did the tunes, like, you know, the tunes are on the album and rolled. Yeah. There was not a whole lot of... No fire to it. No, not at all. They were cashing the check. But anyway, uh, they did their thing, and they came out for their encore, and Billy Gibbons tried to get George Thurman to come out on stage and play with him, and he wouldn't. Why? Didn't want to get up stage, I guess. I got a Thurman story if you want to hear it. <laughs> I do want to hear it. That's Steve Ray Vaughan's guitar right there. Yeah, well, a replica. You right. see it, right? So Stevie comes on the scene in the 80s after George is already established as the modern blues guy. Right. It's like his thing. Like He's like, I'm the modern blues player. Right. He's the Joe Bonamassa of the era. Of the era. Of the era. But you got to be honest, Steve Ray Vaughan was incendiary. Yeah, he was unique. Exactly. Fire. Straight fire. So they have a blues fest and they're going to play together. So the sound man's there and they're doing the whole thing. They're doing the thing. And what happened is Stevie turns his amp to like eight or whatever it was. And they got the mic. They got the levels, right? And then Thurgood turns his amp to like two. And they get all the levels set and everything's cool. Then it comes out for the dueling part of it. And he just cranked his amp to 10. And you could not hear Steve Ray Vaughan. And it's like, what a fucking piece of shit. Because you knew you were upstage. Yeah. You knew. And after I heard that, I mean, he's like Delaware Lonesome George. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, he's he was kind of signed out of Dobbs at one point. Like he's a big deal. And I just, I don't know, it hurt my fucking heart, man. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of a dick. Yes. Which isn't cool. <laughs> but then he wouldn't come out with his easy top, so he's consistently a dick. Right. And then Band of the Bone, which lyrically is garbage, right. it took him four months to write that song. I don't know how. Because it's garbage. I feel I feel like that's the tune that gets banged out. Like, that's one of those, like, 20 minutes. I times. agree. And I'm not, I'm not taking anything away. In fact, Sam and I were talking about that last night after the show that, hey, Sometimes the best tunes you write come out like 20 minutes. That's the way it works. The way it works. And they're my favorite ones. They're the ones I like to think of as gifts from the other regions. Right, yeah. They just appear. They're the ones that prove the fact that you are not, in fact, in control of what you're doing. You are merely a conduit for what is out there in the fucking ether. It's a fantastic way to say it, though. It's true. I I totally agree with that. How did you start writing songs? (laughs) That's a noise. (laughs) Yeah. That's a that's a tough question. No, it's not. You remember? Uh, how did I start writing songs? I would say probably started writing tunes. Okay, <laughs> so I think I decided I wanted to be a singer of a band somewhere around fourteen. Perfect. And I started a really bad, a really bad band that lasted for about a, a day and a half. Me too. Uh, probably when I was like 14 or 15. And I didn't know how to write a song. And so somebody just told me, hey, write what you know. <laughs> and you're jerking off. So, yeah, <laughs> I didn't write a song about that. Literally, the first song I wrote was a song called Old People. Okay. Yeah, Old People. Old People. That's it. Old People. That's I Drive that- around all day soaking in Ben Gay. Old People. I'm not going to lie. It's a little clever, actually. Legit. It was hilarious. It was funny. But that was really not what I was shooting for. But I did what I was told. Like, hey, write what you know. Um, Strangely enough, shortly after that, I had an English teacher who, you know, everybody has, like, that one or two teachers in their lifetime that, like, really helps actually make a difference in their life and doesn't just hand them papers to fill out and shit to memorize. And I had a really great English teacher. And... 
it did a long section during that semester on poetry, and I really fell in love with poetry and started reading a lot of it and still do. And that sort of led me to figuring out timing and phrasing and things like that. And, and that's how I started to learn how to write songs and to use metaphor and, and analogy in your songs. Yeah. Which is super cool and it works out pretty well for me now because I feel like I'm kind of good at it. I agree completely. <laughs> I remember opening up a Motley Crue cassette tape and counting the phrases. And I was like, oh, yeah. that must be a verse. Yeah. All right, all right, this is the chorus. Okay. No. <laughs> like, and I had to sit down. I did the count in the rhythm. No, kids don't have that today. They can't open up that cassette. That makes me so sad. They can Google it in three seconds, though. It makes me so sad, though. I don't know. It's a different world. Dude, do, do, do you remember the joy the first time you saw the inside cover of Appetite for Destruction? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Kind yeah, of titties. No, there was a cartoon sort of hanging out. Like, this is amazing. I can top that. Do you remember the inside cover to fucking GNR Lies? Actual naked fucking pinup chick, yeah, with the line through the fucking tits, yes, and it was like was. at like thirteen, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. I'm not gonna lie, uh, in in my earlier years, well through my twenties, um, I literally drank Jack Daniels because there was a giant bottle of it in the picture of Appetite for Destruction. I did it. I, I'm I, like, they're rock stars. I guess that's what they drink. That's how yes. it works. I had that poster on my wall. Dude, it's so awesome. Like, in the fucking the bottle is in the fucking poster, and they're sitting with their backs against the wall with their boots up, and you see the bottom of the boots on everybody, and I'm just like, oh my god, this is so fucking cool. At some point in high school, in my bedroom, I had that poster. Yeah. I had the Metallica poster that was just the four faces. Okay. Which was, they ripped off Kiss, and it was sad, but <laughs> because I don't like Kiss really at all. Interesting. Not a Kiss fan at all. Not at all. No. I appreciate the performance. I do. They put on a good show. Yeah. But their music does nothing for me. And Paul Stanley is just awful. The writing's weak. Paul Stanley's terrible. Well, it it's depends what era. We can discuss that if you want. In in their heyday, he's garbage. When he came back in the 80s after years of vocal training, he was actually pretty good in the 80s. He's tolerable. I, just, I don't think his writing is that good. No, like, no. Detroit Rock City's a jam, though. Yeah, well, they're songs. If you do something for 50 years, you're going to get it right a few times. True. Like, I despise the Rolling Stones. But other members who are no longer members of the Rolling Stones wrote great songs in that band that yeah. I love. But not the Stones. You're not a Stones fan? Oh, I want to discuss it because I fucking hate them, actually. I do. <sighs> Stones or Beatles? Stones or Beatles? Beatles. Really? And I don't even like the Beatles. Okay. But if you're going to pick one... All right, here's here's why, okay? <laughs> We're doing the first, first thing first. First thing first. First things first. As a child, I was waving the Sex Pistols flag. So, okay. fuck the hippies, right? So I hated the Beatles. I just hated the Beatles. This is what I didn't know. I didn't know this. I was adopted. You wouldn't know that because we don't know each other very well. The Actually, I didn't know that. You do know? I the did. first couple of years of my life, my real mother was in my life raising me. Okay. And she was a huge Beatles fan. So it's zero, one, two. All I'm hearing is the White Album and all this shit. Right. In the background. I don't know this, right? So then I get adopted out like four. And I have a normal little childhood. And then you start hearing these records when you're a teenager, like on the radio and stuff at Classic Rock. And I knew the songs. And I was annoyed. I was like, I don't like the Beatles. Fuck the Beatles. But I knew the songs. And I couldn't understand why I knew the songs, right? right. Now you know. Then, this is a weird one. I used to go to Illinois every summer because my adopted father's family is from Illinois. So he would take me and we would go for like three weeks. When you're a kid, three weeks is a fucking eternity. Yeah, that's the whole so there's a section of my summer every year for like 10, fuck, I'm sorry, every, every, yeah, once a year for 10 years where I lived in Illinois. So I was a fucking like Midwest kid and I had older cousins there. 
okay? They were cool. They had cars. They were fucking chicks. I'm like nine, ten years old. So when they went out to do stuff, I'd go into their rooms, and there was like cassettes, and I'd get my little fucking Walkman, and I got Shout at the Devil, which I hadn't heard before because I, I didn't know, right? Yeah. I knew who Motley was kind of because Girls, Girls, Girls was happening and all that shit. Wow, that's heavy. We're going to get on that one, too. I hate a lot of stuff. We may have a stuff coming, but I like Motley. So I get out Shout of the Devil, and they cover the Beatles, which I didn't know, on the record. And out of the whole Shout of the Devil LP that I listened to at, like, nine years old, the fucking Helter Skelter, lyrically, I remember being shocked. I was like, when I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. I get to the top, I go for a ride, get to the bottom there again. I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. I'm like, I don't know. This is amazing. And I thought Motley wrote it. So then I checked the liner notes and it's Lennon McCartney. I'm like, motherfucker. Damn it. Damn it. I do it, but they're good. And then yesterday, in my opinion, is the best pop song ever written ever. In my opinion, ever. There's no better song than yesterday for pop music. Because yesterday, everything seems so far away. If you're eight years old, Yesterday matters. If you're 90 years old, yesterday matters. It's a perfect lyric. Landslide's better. I would put landslide in that category. It's not better. I think it is. It's a good song. Big, big uh, Billy Corgan fan, are you? You like his version? <laughs> no, my wife is a huge Stevie Nicks fan. And then, all right, so, I mean, is she a, a Stevie Nicks fan or is she a Fleetwood Mac fan? Anything that involves Stevie Nicks, she is a fan. Because there's whole records of Fleetwood Mac before Stevie Nicks in the band. That yeah, most people don't no, fucking know she about. She's not a Fleetwood Mac without Stevie Nicks fan. Why do you hate Molly Crew? Because <clears throat> I think they're hacks. I mean, you're not lying. They're hacks. Mick Mars can play guitar. That's the biggest problem I have, is that all the nonsense that people spit out. They made a movie about Motley Crew, and you know who the only talent in that band is? The dude they don't ever talk about. Mick Mars. Mick Mars, by Miles, has more talent in his finger than the rest of that band. Tommy Lee could play drums. Eh. No. I know better ones. <laughs> He's above average, but I wouldn't call him a great drummer, would you? No, no. But specifically, he hits really hard, which my kind of band and your kind of band appreciates. Correct. And he's got pocket. So when they were kids, Nikki couldn't play bass. Vince really couldn't sing. Still can't. No, now he really can't. But there was a middle there where he could sing pretty fucking well. I, I, I don't think he was ever that good. I mean, I hear you, but, you know, that's that's subjective. That's like saying, like, you're like the Stones. You're going to okay. tell me Mick Jagger can fucking sing? Okay, no. But he's got a thing. Uh, he's got magic. I don't know oh, um, you know what? Let's go back to fighting about that shit. You know where he learned his fucking magic from? Tina fucking Turner. Okay. Because. I, what would I say bad about Tina Turner? But no, but like you stole your whole act. And then you made a billion dollars with her act. So here's what happens. We play rock and roll. Everything we do is stolen. You can't. Yeah, you don't get Somebody both. already did. Just because you do it really well doesn't mean you didn't steal it. Who do Tina steal it from? I'll wait. I don't know. Probably somebody. Mm. Mm. Here's the thing. The Stones come out in 64, right? And he stands like this when he sings. That's his gig, right? A couple years later, Ike and Tina open in 66 on tour for the Stones and 67. And they're watching. And Mick would stand there every night drinking, watching their set every fucking night. And then he started flying around the fucking stage like a black woman. So now that he's done it for 50 fucking years almost, they're like, oh, he's great. It's not his fucking act. He took it. He took it. And then here's something else. I've no, I've been trying to, when I was a child, I wanted to emulate Jim Morrison. I wanted to emulate Ozzy Osbourne. I wanted to emulate these things when I was a kid, right? Those are two very different things to want to emulate. No, but, you, I, but both of them had psychology of a crowd. 
Oh yeah, and I and I remember learning and wanting to know that stuff as a kid. Like that was a big deal for me. Yeah. So and I don't know how I figured it out or you figured it out. I don't know how we learned it. I don't know. Oh, I put a lot of effort into it. Like Did a great, oh, a lot. I studied it. So Roth, Roth matters because even though he couldn't sing, he made you feel something. Right. I remember Live Aid because I was alive, and you see Freddie, and I didn't even know who the fuck Freddie was, but I'm like, whatever that is, that's amazing. Right. I want charisma. To that. I you know what I mean? I don't know what he had. I don't know how he did it. Well, I, you just, and I talked before. Held them, just held them in his hand. They would have done whatever he said. I know. And that's if he had told them to riot, they would have. But Morrison read books on this while he's in the doors. You understand what I'm saying? Like right. the, the psychology of the crowd's a thing. So I researched that. And so when I look at the arc of all this stuff, that matters. Dude, it's weird. Kiss, who we were talking about earlier. They weren't great in any capacity. They weren't great musicians. There was nothing, there was nothing special. No. But visually, it was a thing that had never been done really before, except for Alice Cooper, which people forget magically sometimes. No, I will not forget Alice Cooper. He's awesome. He can't sing? No, he really can't. Like, and never could. No. Ever. But they put on a hell of a show. And that, but so does Kiss then. That's the thing. Yeah, but I, even though he can't sing, I like Alice Cooper's music better. All right, it's a long, varied career. There's parts of Alice Cooper. Like, I lost my virginity to his trash record from 89. Like, I just happened to that. That was the one that was on. So, like, I do love some Alice Cooper records. You lost your virginity to Alice Cooper. Right? Fuck yeah, dude. Side one of Poison. Rawr. I can tell you where I lost my virginity to. It's not nearly that cool. What is it? Moody Blues Greatest Hits. No, that is pretty fucking cool. Moody Blues are dope, and they don't get enough credit. They're cool. I feel like... They didn't want the credit. Like, had they, they, they kind of didn't continue into the corporate version of rock and roll. Yeah. And they could have, and they opted not to. So, Moody Blues is my mom's fault, because, like, my mom loves it. But it's good songwriting. It really is. So, my first, my first foray into music and understanding music and being, you know, and loving it as much as I did was, was my mom. My mom was big into music, and can play piano, and she's really talented, and she can sing pretty well. And, but most of her stuff was like folk music. Simon and Garfunkel, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Now, like that. I don't dig it, but I know the song structures, a lot of it's phenomenal, but I don't dig it. I still love it. I think a lot of it has to do with like, I grew up listening of to course. it. And, you know, fond memories of, you know, it's kind of cool, you know? Wow. And if you want to learn about harmonies, dude, nobody does it better than that. You're 100% right. Those guys are deep. The Beach Boys. Well, that's not a folk band. Yeah, I you know. just went to a completely different fucking spectrum, but that's okay. Yeah, but sort of, you know. That same do do of- we agree the Beach Boys might be the best harmonies ever? In like, yes. in, like uh, that's it, right? Yeah. Like the thing, Brian, the stuff Brian Wilson. But although, and then, oh, this is a fucked up one. I got a question. We're gonna change it up. Sweet, I love this. The Mamas and the Papas harmonies were fucking amazing, though. Yes. Like amazing, mm-hmm. and then. Did you hear what, what Mackenzie Phillips said about her father? I know they had like an incestuous relationship. We don't know. She said it. We don't know. Okay? He's got other daughters. They, not, he didn't touch any of them, they say. I guess that answers the question of who's your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, my question... I feel, like, I feel like, you know, sometimes people wonder, you know? Never <laughs> ask your parents who's your favorite kid. Well, there's your answer. Now you know. Oh, in a, in a really horrible off-the-beaten pathway. Oh, right, here's my question. This, this is the question. <laughs> we agree as as musicians. The Beach Boys are number one for harmonies. 
Probably, yeah. For me, Mamas and the Papas are in the top five. Oh, yeah. They really are. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, there's yeah. stuff I had never thought of. So, to me, it amazes me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Do I excuse this predatory, rapey behavior and just love the art? Because Papa John wrote all of it. Every harmony, every beat is him. I mean... I don't know what to do. I stopped listening to... I have the record. So, to be honest with you, I think if you exist in the music business, you kind of have to... I think as, as society, I think we let a lot of it slide. Not just with them. Like, let's be honest... Jerry Lee Lewis was famous long after he married his 13-year-old cousin. Still famous now, technically. Right. And so everyone has seemed to sort of at least somewhat let that go. Uh, well, I, I can I can give you, I can play devil's advocate and tell you this is the flip side. There was parental permission to marry said girl. That doesn't make you okay. But wait, hold on now. This is a this is 70 years ago, 60 years ago, a long time ago. Right. I agree with that. It was a different time. Southern people, that was kind of a thing. 12 was normal. So 13 isn't the most fucking weirdest thing ever. And he did marry her. He didn't fucking just like do stuff to her and never talk to her again, like R. Kelly style. <laughs> and but, but I'm with you. Are, you know? But he <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Oh my god. But you know, R. Kelly pees on people. It's a thing. But Jerry Lee Lewis did lose his career. Because his momentum was to be Elvis. Oh yeah, he was crushing it, and he lost his career. Now he did greatest hit shit. They made a movie eventually. He 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 salvaged parts, but he would have been ah. You know what I mean? Right. And he's not. So he did pay a price. Then Elvis Presley learns from it, and that's even more fucked up. Another Southern guy banging a fucking fourteen-year-old doesn't marry until she's fucking twenty-one. He drags her around for seven years. He's like, you're my girlfriend, baby. Fucking everything that moves. Hey, I've been on tour. I know how it works. But the point is, he didn't marry until she was 21. Just enough fuck up his career because he learned from Jerry Lee Lewis. But he's also in the molestery because he was in the fucking service. 25 years old, girl's fucking 14. That's fucked up. It is. Fucked up. That's Steven Tyler. He fucking adopted her. He adopted her legally. And that wasn't 70 years ago. No. No, that was much more recent. Seventies, yeah. literally in the seventies. Yeah. Like in my lifetime, he got a fourteen-year-old girl. He gets her parents to sign over custody and just fucks her. It's his girlfriend. Right. I, I, I don't know. And then they would tell you it was the seventies. Right. Quaaludes. It was a thing. Blah blah blah. So if you're asking me to, uh, you know sort of look the other way on, on Papa Phillips. Uh, I think fucking your daughter goes over a line. Like, no, it just does. Like, oh, straight up incestory, predatory behavior for decades. I don't know. It seems really bad to me, bro. Yes, it is. But how much worse bad is it than fucking children? Whether or not you're related to them is kind of a byproduct. Do you that. like Led Zeppelin? No, because that don't. I hate them, but that's his <laughs> fucking playbook too. Same thing, fourteen-year-old chick. Yeah, for real, and he didn't even do the paperwork. Like he just took her. He's like, "You're my bitch now." Like, and then left. And that's not okay. That's to me, that's not okay. But you know, hey, I'm also not a rock star, so ah, kinda. Eh, eh. To like twelve people, I'm a rock star. I was there. It was a thing. You were. You were a rock star too. Cheers, motherfucker. There we go. Cheers. <laughs>
As we drink our water because right. we're old men. Super rock stars that are, you know, sober. Oh, I got, I got a lot of liquor here if you're inclined, but. Uh, I'm sober, man. Okay. Yeah. How, how long is it? How many months? Three. No yeah. shit. 90 days. Mm-hmm. Do you got any weirdness with it? The, the, there's been some growing pains. There are. Yeah, a little bit. Not going away? Because I feel like the longer you get away from it, it might be a little slowly, easier. Slowly but surely, it's helping. And then you played last night, bone sober for the past three months. Mm-hmm. What's the difference for you? Uh, well, even when I was drinking, I never drank before. I, I thought you did a couple. I yeah, I, I yeah, didn't know that. I really. So then there's no real difference. No, it's been years since I've had a drink before I go on stage. Okay. I always go on stage sober. Okay. Afterwards, however, I do miss the celebration of it. We can still celebrate. You owe me a, a fancy water, by the way. I got fucked over on that one, but that's fine. I'm not I do owe you a fancy water, but uh, come to the show on the 21st, the rest of the I'll get you a super fancy water. I'll be there. What am I, I going to do? With right. <laughs> <laughs> one of our bands are playing, I have to fucking get Yeah, pretty much. It's like the rule. So that's cool. That'll be a thing. All uh, right. I'll get you a fancy water there. Um, but, I mean, hey, we had cake last night. So. Dude, uh, is she watching? Yes, Samantha's watching. Hi. Thank you for the cake, Samantha. It was fucking awesome. Cake was lovely. Dude, I still have some. You want to take some home with you? I got a lot of fucking cake. Do I look like I don't want cake? Fucking do- Okay. <laughs> cake is good, man. All right. We didn't finish this. Are you a Beatles or Rolling Stones guy? Stones guy. Why? Uh, they just appeal to me more. I, I don't. The Beatles never did it for me. They're better writers, man. I agree. I totally agree. And there are a select few tunes of the Beatles that I really enjoy. I'm with you. But I think there's a lot of crap, too. No, majority, I believe, is crap. And I think nobody wants to acknowledge that. Everybody wants to stroke off the Beatles and talk about how they oh, were no, great no, and I, fantastic. I, don't, everything and, with the Middle Eastern sound can suck my dick on the Beatles. Yeah, I do not need to sit talking Thank you, Ravi Shankar. I don't need that. You fucked up a whole band. You did. But then, like, Day in the Life's pretty amazing. Yes, it is. Yesterday's pretty amazing. Like, and then their version of Helter Skelter, pretty fucking amazing. Now, you said The Who earlier. I love that. Another child molester. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And we just say, we don't acknowledge it, but it happened. It did. And it's like... And that might have been the worst one of all. Because I love those records, man. Dude, The Who is amazing. They are amazing. The Who is so good. They're the band. Uh, and, you know, you're probably going to catch help for whoever's watching this right now. They're much better than the fucking Zeppelin. Don't yes. even lie to yourself. Don't even lie to yourself. I will 100% agree One guy that. wrote a bunch of songs. Another guy stole a bunch of songs. There's, not, there's no fucking parallel with that. That's it. Correct. That's it, man. You, you flat out hardcore stole your biggest hit. Literally. Like, flat out stole it from a band you toured with. Well, everybody, that's a known fact, though. Like, it's not a thing. Like, they have a, you can go to YouTube. I don't know how, don't know how known it is, though. Because I've told this to a lot of people, and they look at me like it's the first time they've heard. Seriously. Stairway to Heaven is full-on stolen. I mean, literally, the, the chord progression, everything. Like, minus, like, one note in the picky part in the beginning. Like, <laughs> there's, it's flat-out highway robbery. It's stolen. <laughs> I got a question for you. A question popped up, actually. What do you think of Iggy and the Stooges? Not a huge fan. I really I, like it. I appreciate what they do. I really like it. I really, I really love Iggy <laughs> Pop as a performer. Yes, I really love him. Yes, because he's just—he's fire. He's a lunatic. Yes, and he is. He's fire. He just gets on stage and does what he wants. Yeah, and his tunes are just literally about like doing whatever he wanted to do. Heroin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He did like the heroin. But Iggy Pop's cool. 
I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a huge fan, but he's cool. Um, are you an ELO guy? <laughs> what? Back to my mom again. ELO is my mom's favorite. They're amazing. She loves ELO. It's really one guy. It's not a band. I don't listen to a ton okay. of it anymore. I don't put it on very often in okay. my daily activities now. Okay. But I know so many of their tunes. And when they come on, I'm like, yeah, this jam. And those harmonies? And everything. Um, and then it's weird. When the Beatles broke up, they talked to Lennon about it. He was like, it's cool. You have ELO. You'll be fine. And they had never met. Like, Je Jeff Lynn had not met at that point. You yeah. know what I mean? The Beatles at all. So what I love, a lot of the records that I grew up listening and loving, Jeff Lynn from ELO produced okay. and made. So Free Fallen from Tom Petty is like one of my favorite songs of all time. Like, I love that it's song. It's spectacular tune. And it's fucking Jeff Lynn. I you love know what everything mean? Tom Petty does pretty much. No, I'm with you. I'm that with dude, you. That dude did more with less than anybody ever could. He said something. Like, I, those songs are so stupid and so simple, and I love everyone. Well, that's like ACDC land. Full Moon Fever is a flawless album. Yes. That album is spectacular. Yes. Yes. I will listen to that back to front a hundred times and love all of it. Jeff Lynn. You're so mad. Oh, the video even. It's my favorite. Song it's ever. so good. It's so good. Zombie Zoo. Zombie Zoo is a jam. It is. I love that song. And but again, what's he talking about? Zombie Zoo. Well, it's the heroin. But he's talking about a little girl going to rock shows. All right, I, I'm ignoring that section of the uh, yeah. lyrical content. Let's There's right. a line in that song that says, "Hey, little dropout." Yeah, but drop. Uh, this could be seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, we're still talking about young girls, bro. Hey. Penny was just pulling him from everywhere, you know. No, but talking about young girls, right, and taking a 14-year-old from her parents and getting custody is a vastly different sentence. Let's oh, you're 100% right. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, you know, it's, hey, young girls are a thing in the rock world, I guess. Well, I mean, young girls are cool until you talk to them. That's a thing. Now, yeah. Like, it's well, a I thing. Have, I have nothing in common with you. Please go away. <laughs> I make this joke. My first girlfriend I got after my last divorce was 23 years old. Say this again. Your first girlfriend after your last divorce. Yeah, because I had gotten divorced. Okay. It was like a minute. The first girlfriend was 23. Okay. Visually. How old were you? I don't know. 44, 45. Okay. Yeah, I was way older. This is the joke. The year she was born, I had purchased my first house. <sighs> That's a problem. That's rough. But... And I liked her. I really did. She looked great. I liked that part. And then there was other stuff. Intimate stuff was awesome. You know, I liked that part. But then talking. Talking was hard, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, there's... And she wasn't dumb. I don't want to give the impression that this wasn't a smart girl. No, no, no. But I would be like, oh, remember in 2001 when this happened? And she's like, no, no. I was three. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's that's a problem there. 9-11 does no recollection of it going down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. My son was like six months old. So, so. Uh. Yeah, and he doesn't remember that. I do. I know exactly where I was. Where were you? <laughs> so I had gone out the night before. Because it was I, a Tuesday, bro. So you were out Monday night. Right. Um, I was out every night. <laughs> I, was, I was 21. Yeah, I'm newly 21. I'm going to bars. Like, you know, I'm out doing it. And at the time, I worked second shift. So I was getting off work at midnight. Okay. So literally my mom's house was like a mile from where I worked. Um, 
in between my work and my mom's house, there was a bar that I frequented. Makes sense. So I went out after work. I got done work at midnight and went to this bar. Closed the bar, a little tuned up. So instead of driving all the way to where I was living, I went to my mom's house. Okay. Slept on the couch because, you know, it's a half mile away. Smart move when you're driving drunk. Fucking A. So I did that, and my mom woke me up on the couch. I was losing. Like livid, yeah. Like you have to see that something's going on. Like at the time, I worked for, I worked at a factory that had several government contracts that was doing stuff for the government. Sure. I didn't, we didn't know what was going on. I rolled into work that day. Later on. At 2 p.m. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I had to be at work. And, and they, they were closed. There were literally armed guards. At the <gasps> that fast? Yeah. No shit. Because no one knew it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, uh, it's my badge. Can I come in? And no one did any work that day. Like, we all went into work and just sat in the cafeteria and, and watched. watched the news. Our whole shit. Yeah. It was wild. Totally just, I mean, it, for anybody that doesn't remember, dude, it was huge. Was it it was the fucking whole deal? world was watching it. I didn't feel remotely close to normal until that Saturday morning. And we played a show that Thursday. So it happens Tuesday. Right. Wednesday's bizarre. Thursday's bizarre. Played Thursday night. Went to work Friday. Back in the days when you were still Thursday, man. That's a thing. <laughs> that was a thing. We had we had a residency actually. Remember when you were a Thursday band? I talk about it right now. <laughs> and then Saturday morning, I had a part time job at like a, a like a fucking a retail retail store that I go in and like fucking represent. And when I was driving into there because it was Saturday morning, there was nobody in the road. It was calm. I felt a sense of like I could breathe. It yeah. took from fucking Thursday morning, I'm sorry, Tuesday morning to Saturday morning to just feel a little normal. And then it was just slowly, it would dissipate. It was weird. I went to high school with the girl. That's her 21st birthday. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was her 21st birthday. Wow. Talk about ruined forever. Eh, not really. I have a, I have somebody on my Facebook whose birthday is that day. Yeah. And that had to suck. But yeah, we're 20 years removed, so it's a different world now. Well, it is now. But... Like, your son doesn't recall it. He's a man. He doesn't recall it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's weird, like... He was at the show last night. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah. Fuck, you should introduce me. I feel bad about that. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. Next time. I'm sure he'll be around more now that he's 21. Dun, 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 dun. Is he musical at all? He, yeah. Um, he doesn't play, but he definitely has a, a very good respect for music. Okay. And he's young, and he's more into you know, his era of music. Which is, which what is it? A lot of it is, you know, rap and hip-hop, and that's what he's into. This is how you know we're old men. Modern rap or hip hop makes no sense to me. And, and the no, beats do. The, I like a lot of the beats, but that like mumble rapping thing, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I have a very hard time understanding. Well, I don't understand anything. But, but if I sit down with him and we talk about it, because we've had this conversation many times. Sure. And the one of the things we do share as far as the love of music is that, you know, this music has to mean something to you. Okay. Like, I don't want to listen to stupid poppy nonsense. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to listen to silly dance music and shit that doesn't mean anything to my life and have no bearing on it. Sure. Like I want to listen to people that are telling me a story that I can relate to. Sure. And he's sort of the same way. And the artist that he listens to, you know, he feels that as well. Okay. So that's cool. But he's into other stuff too. I took him to his first concert, which was Foo Fighters. 
when was what 2013-14 okay they, they're really when, cooking when by he now. had the broken leg <gasps> I remember that hold yeah. on I can do that that is it's 13-14 that's exactly yeah. what's exactly when that was mm -hmm. because if you remember Axel Rose no it was a little later right 15. yeah because then Axel Rose had the chair in 16 the same fucking thing okay so 15 Dave used it with a Foo Fighters symbol on it yeah. then he put a Guns N' Roses symbol on it and they gave the Axel yeah Foo Fighters Dave Roll is so cool Dave Roll is so cool he gets overexposed for me like, sometimes I'm like, I love Dave Grohl. And then I see him every day, and I'm like, I'm over Dave Grohl now. I agree to an extent, but Foo Fighters put out good tunes. They do. Um, They've gotten better. They've gotten better. Yeah. And I think he, look, he's carrying the flag for rock and roll for a long time. You know, Dave Grohl was the guy. That even if you didn't listen to rock and roll, you know who Dave Grohl That's was. true. That's true. And he's done so much for rock and roll. And he's just, and he's a super cool dude. You know what I mean? I don't know. I In the documentary, you're ready for the super cool dude? In the documentary, he threw his weight around a little bit inside that Foo Fighters camp in a way that I wouldn't have done in Starscream. And it's like, he, it, like, he, you can't, you can't just force things on people. And I, and I do sometimes fuck up in the dynamic of my band, right? Like I get really amped up and excited about something. We put out a, a visual or video about a month ago. And I didn't run it past the band I just released there. I was so happy it was done. Right. So I get a fucking text, what the fuck are you doing? We're a band. And they're right. that We are a band. They did not want it out, but just tell them. You understand right. what I'm saying? And I respect that. And Grohl finances the whole Foo Fighters thing. I financed the Starscream thing, by the way. So he finances the whole fucking thing. And he just makes decisions. And if you don't like it, fuck you. Like, they had brought in a, a replacement for Pat Smear to play the lead guitar. And that guy's still in the band, by the way. Then Pat Smear comes back, and instead of telling the guitar player, hey, your job's secure, Pat's just going to jam as well, he just didn't tell him. So in this guy's head for four months, he's like, am I going away? Pat's an original Foo member. He's from Nirvana. He had a band before. Like, he's a thing. Like, I don't know, man. you got to be cooler. Like, you can't just be like, fuck it. You don't like it, leave. That's not a good way to be for your band. I guess... Yeah, well, hey, man, you said yourself, mistakes are made, and maybe today he would handle it differently. In that documentary, he fucking doubled down on it. In the documentary was a decade after the fact. He's like, I don't give a fuck. This is a Foo Fighters. You don't like it, you can leave. And I was just like, whoa. Uh, well, I guess he's owning it. That's <laughs> what it is. But uh, they were so spectacular. It was, honestly, it was more fun for me that night watching my son's his first concert React. than it was actually watching the Foo Fighters, who were... On their own, spectacular. They were great. Who's yeah. going to drum now, in your opinion? Who do you think? Do you think the son's going to do it? He's 16. I don't think so. If they wait two years, then he's an adult. You know what I mean? And two years in our age is nothing anymore. Let's be honest. It's two summers. Yeah. I don't know, man. I. I what's the other option? Well, Freeze, Josh Freeze, who's like the studio guy, he's amazing. He's fucking right. amazing. But and he's a studio guy. Does he all of a sudden want to back up and go on tour? Oh, no, no. He goes on He goes on tour with everybody. Okay. So when um, Sublime came back, he's the guy. Like every time something huge happens, he's the guy. Right. And let's be honest, touring with the Foo Fighters isn't like touring with Pistol Razor or Starscream. Like we're in fucking shitty vehicles. They're in fucking jetliners. Do you understand right. what I'm saying? So for him to do that, he would just get paid a obscene amount of money. He's the guy. And if you, I've been watching the live stuff. He's the guy. Like he's just so smooth. He's almost Matt Cameron smooth. Like, he's that kind of drummer, but he's heavier. I really like Matt Cameron. Matt's the best. He's really 
And I'm, I'm mad at Pearl Jam for the past 25 fucking years. Why are you mad at Pearl Jam for 25 years? Oh, I'm glad that you fucking asked. <laughs> yeah. Fucking explain I that shit. Know. Please do. Inquiring minds want to know. The Seattle thing happens, right? You remember this. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm older than you, so it was deeper for me. It was a big fucking deal. It was that age when records matter and all that shit, right? Mm-hmm. And girlfriend breaks your heart and, like, what's going on? Yeah, I was probably... I was probably... Thirteen or fourteen when I when I got into that era, ninety four probably. So you're eighty. You're born in eighty. Yeah. Or I'm seventy five. So I was already I was I was right there when it started. Ninety ninety one. I was right there. I was right, right there when it started. I was a little, I'm a little older. So I, I'm, this happens. I remember, and you don't like Motley, but Motley's Doctor Feelgood was like the biggest rock record of the year. Like it was a big <laughs> fucking deal. Right. It was everywhere. Motley Crue does that. Metallica comes out with the Black Album. That's a thing. It's like it's hair metal esque and thrash, and that's kind of it, right? Then I remember, whoo, they drop fucking Nevermind. And I didn't know anything about Nirvana because I was a little kid. And I uh, buzzed bin MTV, right? You buy the cassette tape at fucking Tower Records. I had it. It was like eight bucks or whatever it was. I was very happy to have it. And there were some good songs on that record. So I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. And it's right when I started playing bass. I just started playing bass at that time. So I was like getting into like, and it's easier to play those bass lines than like fucking like Metallica bass lines. You know what I mean? So I was digging it. Very simple. So that happens. And so I kept my ear to the ground. And then this thing comes out for Pearl Jam. And Alive is a video, but it was not a hit. I can't stress that enough. No one gave a fuck about Alive. It wasn't a hit. But I saw it and I was like, I'm going to buy that. Every, I was a paper boy. And every dime I made went to buying cassette tapes. That's just what I did. So I was like, oh, this week I'll buy this record. But there was stuff on it like Oceans and like Deep and things like that. They're on this cassette tape that was like way ahead of what they were showing on MTV. I become a huge fan. And then I love them. And then like a year and a half later, they finally break and it's huge. I graduate high school. I go to college. Versus comes out. It's a big fucking deal. We wait in line for it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Pearl Jam. Rah! I literally quit college because of elderly woman behind a counter in a small town. <laughs> You're laughing. I was walking to class and on my head was hearts and thoughts. They fade, fade away. And I was like, I'm 18. I got to put the band together. Boosty, boosty, bop. I got to leave school. For real, I swear to God. I swear to God. Rock star. I swear to God. That's what I thought. So I quit college. So I. So <laughs> I quit college because of that song. I literally did. And then I met King Sam a month later. And boom, I'm still in the same fucking band I've been in for fucking 28 years. So that happens. Well, Pearl Jam refused to tour. And I would sit there. Then I became a roadie on somebody's tour. And I was going all around the country for free. And the band I worked for, the fucking singer guy was in a side band with Stone Gossard called Brad. He was the bass player. His name's Chuck Trees. Hey, Chuck. So Chuck knows Pearl Jam personally. He toured with them during the Versus tour when they did go out for like the fucking brief time. The opening act was, girl, you'll be a woman soon from the fucking Pulp Fiction soundtrack. What the fuck was the name of that band? I can't think of it. I thought it was Neil Diamond. It's a cover. It's a cover. This, these guys covered it. Uh, I don't know who covered it. If you're listening, who the fuck is that? I don't uh, know. Anyway, so. This, Neil Donald is awesome, by the way. Urge Overkill was the name of the band. Okay. I remember that. Chuck's the bass player for Urge Overkill Live. He meets Stone Gossard when they're firing Dave Abrazis, whom I love. The drummer, remember that guy? Yeah. He with the fucking big Pearl Jam tattoo. Eddie just said, oh, you got a sponsorship for symbols? He's out of the fucking band. And they're like, but he's like, no, no, Stone, hi, get rid of him. I don't give a fuck. And then he was like, I'm not going to tour. Get me more money. 
Like, that's some fucked up shit. Like, I knew inside shit you shouldn't know because this motherfucker happened to know these people, right? And I'm on a tour. What are you going to talk about? You're on a bus for fucking 10 hours. I'm like, uh, talk about Pearl Jam. I love Pearl Jam. Right. Yeah. Tell me all about it. Then Vitology comes out. They had fired the drummer. Vitology comes out. Not as good as Versus or 10. This is a fact. I don't care. It's a fact. Spin and Black Circle's good. There's parts that are good, but it's not as good of a record. Uh, I'll tell you this. I remember when Vitology came out. I yes. remember the buildup prior to it coming out. Yes. And people that were into it knew the date when it was coming I out. I was one of them. And so was I. You know, I was like, all right, cool. It's Pearl Jam out. It's coming out. Cool. Everybody's like, like the week before you talk about it in school and shit. Because again, I'm still in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to go check this out. Cool. And I remember being slightly, not that it's bad, but I was slightly let down. It didn't quite Because it's not as good. You're fucking, you're, you're reiterating. And I, I don't want to say that it didn't, I don't want to say it wasn't as good, but it just didn't have that thing, that edge that the earlier albums had. All right, you, just you're just being too fucking nice. Then comes Merkin Bowl, Mirror Bowl. Remember that bullshit? No. Oh, that's how deep I am. What? Yeah, you don't even know what that is, do you? They made, they were a backing band for fucking Neil Young, which I believe is called Mirror Ball. And then Pearl Jam made a record called Merkin Ball, which is an EP. Which had one good song on it that I, I I fucked a girl on repeat to, so it was a good song. Anyway, so that now it's starting to get weird. Vitology to Merkin Ball, and then they fucking they would not tour. I'm 18, I'm 19, I'm 20. This is when I want to see Pearl Jam. Right. They won't tour, and then they had a fight with Ticketmaster and the whole fucking thing. Whatever, whatever. Then No Code comes out. No Code is such a bad fucking record. If you don't know it's a bad record, you're an asshole. Because it's a bad fucking record. And I buy it. And by now, I'm 20 years old. I have a job. I have a car. And I'm like, I'm going to go home and listen to my new fucking pro jam. And I put it in it and I'm in denial. I'm like, no, it's pretty good. It's, it's, no, not, it's, it's not, not as bad as I think it no, is. And they had replaced the drummer with the guy from the Peppers sergeant because he's the guy that got fucking the job for eddie in pearl jam you know that fucking story no the peppers weren't famous they were torn up and down the coast they went they I love peppers, by the way. yeah well then you should know this fucking story i don't care that much i just like the music anyway they got eddie vetter in the band for real so now eddie vetter repays him by putting that drummer who's no longer in the peppers because they got famous in his band can't play jack irons that's the name jack irons he got fucking fucking hands are fucked up, and he's got that thing with the fucking I don't know what it's called. It's all fucked up. So he can't play. So they do a live radio broadcast. Remember that big fucking deal? And I'm like, yes, they're gonna finally not suck, and it sucks. This is not for you. And I'm like, he's singing to me. He's literally telling me this is not for me because I want to hear I am alive. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Fucking even flow, dude. State of love and trust. Oh my god, so good. Right. It's a jam. Then you give me fucking no code. No code. And then I, I'm losing it. I'm losing it now. I'm like, all right. And then, was it Yield? When was Yield? Yield was years later, right? Uh, Fuck Yield, yeah, too, by yeah. the way. Honestly, after that point, I kind of gave up. You, too, then. You, too. But anyway, I I, there's, there's more. So then I finally, now I bought a house. I have a mortgage. Johnny Mac and myself are going to go see fucking Pearl Jam, I think. Right? We're going to go fucking see Pearl Jam. We're happy. I bought my fucking ticket. Pearl Jam is playing three nights. It's like $100 a seat, right? I don't have any fucking money. 25 fucking years ago, I'm broke, right? Yeah. But I buy the ticket. I get in my shitty car. I go to Camden. And they played Last Kiss. This is the only song I knew. 
had a fucking hour and a half. And I was like, I don't, I don't know any of this music. And then the next night, they played Alive, and they played Animal, and they played all the fucking songs. I'm like, wait, you're cunts. I can't afford to see you three nights in a row, and you gotta fucking, I gotta, I gotta guess which way you're gonna play the good fucking, so fuck up. Yeah. Then, I went to see STP again with Johnny Mac a month later. And Scott Weiland, high on the heroin, was amazing. He jumped off the stage in the Philadelphia Spectrum and ran around the audience and jumped back on the stage. I guess it's on meth, too. I think So meth and heroin. And he's just amazing. And I was like, fuck it. I am now Team STP. Pearl Jam can suck my fucking dick. Fuck them. I'm going to meet him someday. Eddie, you short motherfucker. Uh, fuck you. Because you're a dick. Now, nostalgia's kicking in, Dave. And I'm getting old. And I'm starting to listen to State of Love and Trust on my iPod and not tell anybody. And I'm like, I love it. I said, it's great because it's great, but fuck Pearl Jam. Fuck them. I went pro and they just played garbage. And I was like, I don't know any of these fucking shit songs, man. So, so they sadly fell apart and that's, that's a tragic thing. So let's talk about this then since you brought up STP, let's talk about STP's downfall and how core is a spectacular album. And by the time four came out, I didn't want to hear anything they had to do. I was and I was no I was I was really anticipating four. I really wanted four to be good. And it's awful. Well, no, it's, it's shit. Well, it's no, shit no, bad. no. That listen, no. The yeah. vocal mix is bad because of Scott. Those songs are pretty good on four. If you go back and listen to them with like a clear head, I'm, I'm not lying. To you, I swear to goodness. If I go back and listen to this tonight when I go home and it still sucks, I'm calling. The, the music head. doesn't suck. The vocals suck. And this guy was incendiary. Purple's good. He already was on heroin by purple. Oh, I core and purple are both. But you didn't say that. You said core spectacular. It is. Purple might be better than core. I go back and forth. Like I'm purple's really good. Inter- Interstate love song. It's to this day, I love that fucking song. And then tiny music's falling off. I'm not lying. I know. I know tiny music's falling off. Because by then it's but see seven cage tigers on that fucking record, and that fucking song alone might be worthy. I don't think it makes it worth the album. I think that album is... And, and I, I can't lie, Dave. You're right. You're, I can't lie. You're, 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 down the, you're down the rabbit hole. And you're down to the last track on the fucking side, too, so it's, like, not very good. But I know you give me core, you give me purple. Uh, Tiny Music, I'll deal with. Four was, for me, the comeback, you know? And Four, for me, is what I just gave up on it. That's the tour we saw them, and they yeah. were amazing. That sucks. They were amazing. Then, you know what I did? I bought his book, bro. Fuck his book. The entire book. Oh, I'm going to bitch about this shit. So I love, dude, I was in Catholic school. I can tell you that I've never read, read the book. And uh, from what I've heard, like, it's just like self-aggrandizing bullshit. No, it's worse. He literally writes out the entire career was to support his drug habit. And that's it. Like, you know how we write songs to like get things out of our uh, emotionally and stuff. Yes. He's like, pretty much I needed money to make drugs, to buy drugs. I made another record. He literally says it. You're a piece of shit. He is a piece of shit. And now he's dead. And I and I'm mad at him still. He's been dead seven fucking years. I'm like, fuck you, man. Fuck you. Like, I love Scott Weiland. That was my guy. And every time he got busted, again, like Pearl Jam, I'm like That was again, that was one of them that was one of them charisma dudes, man. He had it. He had the thing, dude. Like you wanted to believe what he was doing on stage. He was the man. He was he he was a fraud though. He wasn't the man. I know that now. You know what I mean? Like I read the book. He got over on me for that long, and I don't like it. It was pretty great though. But dude, Core and Purple are sick albums. Dude, but Purple's my jaunt, dude. There was a, there's like in uh, Vaseline when that came on the radio, I thought it was Sabbath. It was so fucking heavy, and then he's dead now. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you, this has been episode number one. 53 of the Vex on Vex podcast. It went that quick. Can you believe that shit? That's cool, Mike. Dave, thank you for your time. My pleasure, dude. It's a good time. Ladies and gentlemen, the Vex on Vex podcast is available on the Podbean application on your phone under the Loud and Loaded Network. So in synopsis, again, thank you for your time. Pistol Razor, a new legacy, rock star in the motherfucking house. And this is Vex X telling you to stay frosty. That's it.